Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. So Tuesday, we had a, a uh, full staff meeting, and uh, I shared a message with our staff, and I had asked a couple of the elders to be there. And uh, afterwards, they said, uh, you need to share that with the church. So you're getting the staff meeting. All right. Now, something that, uh, that I think is sig- actually significant is um, Dwight L. Moody, who was probably the greatest evangelist of the 19th century. He said, you can't preach a sermon well till you've preached it 50 times. So this is number two. So it's going to get better. All right. It's going to get better and it's going to get better. Well, this is actually number three because I've preached it before. This is the third time. All right. So simply entitled this message, Mysteries. I want to start with Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29, which says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. If you serve God long enough, there will be things that happen that you do not understand. Just that simple. If you live long enough and serve God long enough, there will be stuff happen that you do not understand. I think it's interesting that 28 times in the New Testament alone, the Bible uses the word mystery in mysteries. In other words, there's just some stuff that you don't get yet. And and wouldn't it be a shame if we understood it all with our little peanut brain? I mean, that that would say there wasn't much to it. But the Bible talks about mysteries. And, and I will very bluntly say, there's just some things I don't understand. Let me give you an example. In the book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira, they own a piece of property. They sell the property and they take the money to the church, but they keep part of it. But they tell the church that it's all of it. So they're standing before Peter, right? And, and Peter says, now you haven't, you, you, he says, you haven't lied to men. He says, you've lied to the Holy Ghost, right? And they drop dead. They drop dead. Now, listen, th- this, this is the new covenant. This is the time of grace and mercy. This is where the, the message is, love your enemies. And God makes an executive decision and they drop dead. Somebody says, explain that to me. Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. There are, there are some things that we just don't understand. And here's what makes it even wilder to me. All right. They're talking to Peter. Now, Peter's the guy who a couple months before denied that he knew Jesus, lied, and cussed about it. And they're in front of Peter, and Peter says, you haven't lied to man, you lied to the Holy Ghost. They're dead. There's some stuff that I do not understand. And there's going to be some stuff that you and I do not understand. But I'm going to say this a few times because this is something that I have held on to. Don't throw away what you know to be true because of what you don't understand. Don't throw away what you know to be true because of what you do not understand. And again, if, we, if, you, if you live long enough and serving God, there will just be things you don't understand. Well, the things that, bo- that are revealed, they belong to us and to our children. Right? But the secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things we will know when we get to heaven. But the Bible says, in the meantime, we see through a glass darkly. But then 
face to face. When we get to heaven, we're going to know it all, right? But in the meantime, we don't. There are some things that are simply mysteries. So like you do, if you, if you have a Bible or if you, you've got whatever device you've got and you want to follow along, Mark chapter 9, uh, it will be up here on the screen, all right? And I want to talk to you this morning about the subject of healing. Now, this is one thing I know. If, if you pray for enough people, some of them are going to get healed. Some of them aren't. And you say, why? I don't know. I don't know. And, and it, it, the person who thinks they know, uh, they don't know everything they ought to know. Right? Now, the Bible says we're disciples. Do you know what a disciple is? It's a learner. It is a learner. We're learning. We're growing. We know more today than we knew a year ago. And hopefully in a year from now, we're going to know more than we know now. But we're not going to know it all. We're disciples. We're learners. Right? Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Now, Jesus has just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. Moses and Elijah appear, talk with Jesus. God comes by in a cloud and speaks. He says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And he came down to his disciples, the nine disciples that are down at the foot of the mountain. And he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeting him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out and they could not or but they could not. Nine disciples are praying for this boy and he is not delivered. Now, what we're going to see is he's going to bring that boy to Jesus and Jesus is going to deliver the boy. Right now, the fact that the disciples were not able to bring healing or deliverance does not mean it was not the will of God. Right? This is what I know. Jesus is perfect theology. 100% of the time, Jesus does the will of God. But the disciples, the learners, the students, the followers of Jesus, they were not able to bring deliverance. But Jesus does bring deliverance, which shows me that when I pray for somebody and they don't get healed, that doesn't mean it wasn't God's will for them to be healed. All right. Verse 19, he answered and said, O faithless generation, now how long will I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground. He wild foamed at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. For often he throws him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So often we try to put everything off on God. You know, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. If it's not God's will, it's not going to happen. Now, this man tried to say, Jesus, uh, it's all up to you. And Jesus said, no, you're not putting that off on me. 
He said, it's not all up to me. Jesus said, if you can believe, he said, then all things are possible to him who believes. So Jesus was saying, it's not just what I want. He said, you need to believe. And so often we have the attitude, well, whatever God wants to happen, that's what's going to happen. And whatever happens is the will of God. That's not true. It's not true. Jesus would not let that man put everything off on him. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit and saying to it, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? Notice the disciples failed. If you pray for a lot of people, you're going to see some people get healed and some people that aren't going to get healed, right? We're learning, we're growing, right? I've had people that died and I thought, you know what? I failed. Then the nine disciples, Jesus rebuked them, right? He rebuked them, right? But we're still learning, we're still growing. The Luke's gospel of the same account, he said, you faithless and perverse generation. Now, faithless basically means this. You are not connected enough to God. And when he said perverse, it means saying the exact opposite. He's saying you are way too connected to the world. Right? But again, Jesus shows us perfect theology. The man cried out. Jesus said, if you can believe. Mark said it this way. Immediately, the, 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 the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Now, here's something that often we don't recognize is you can believe and have unbelief both at the same time. The man said, I do have faith. I do believe. But I also have unbelief. When Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth, Mark's gospel says this. And he marveled because of their unbelief, right? And he went about in a village teaching. In the fifth verse said, and he could do no mighty work there. It doesn't say Jesus wouldn't. It says that he could not. And again, we have the, well, God could just do anything. Jesus, he's God in the flesh. He could just do anything. No, the Bible says he could not because of their unbelief. So without their cooperation, without their faith, he could not. So what often happens is we believe in our, or we have belief here, but then we have unbelief that counterweights our belief. Andrew Womack has uh, been coming here to speak for 35 years. Um, he tells this story. He, he says he was holding a meeting. And he had seen blind eyes open. He had seen deaf ears pop open. Uh, he had had someone raised from the dead. And, and he says, I was just like ready. He says, and there was this, per, this, this guy in a wheelchair. And he says, I was so excited. He said, I about leaped off the platform, got down to him. I rebuked everything. I prayed. And he says, I pulled him up. And he fell flat. He said, and when he did, he said, it, it was just like, Oh no. Oh no. I'm going to get sued. You know? 
well, this is terrible. This is terrible. He says, I, I, I got down, you know, I, I said, I'm sorry. I, I picked him up and I, I put him back in the wheelchair and apologized and says, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, God bless you. He says, and when he was considering it later, he said what came to his mind was a similar story with Smith Wigglesworth. Now, some of you will know about Smith. Smith was a great healing evangelist in the, mainly the first half of the 20th century. But Smith Wigglesworth had literally revival in every inhabitant continent. And his, his normal modus operandi would be when he would start a meeting and get up. He would say, the first person to get up here will be healed. Well, he went to a new town and the people knew what was going to happen. So two ladies got their friend. Now, their friend had a huge tumor, huge and she couldn't walk, but they sat in the front row and he no more than said the first and they, they're up and they're, they're on their way. So they get up on the platform and they're on one side and they're holding her up. And Smith Wigglesworth, what's wrong with her? Well, she has a tumor and, and she can't walk. He said, let her go. And I said, no, she can't. She, you don't understand. She can't walk. She can't even hold herself up. I said, let her go. They let her go. Wham! She falls flat. Pick her up. They pick her up. And he says, now, let her go. He says, no, we can't let her go. She can't walk. She can't stand. He said, I said, let her go. They let her go. Bam. She falls flat. Everybody in the, the congregation, like, <gasps> one man, you brute. Wigglesworth says, shut up. He said, I know my business. He said, now pick her up. They pick her up. He says, now let her go. They let her go. Tumor fell off and she walked away. Now, this is, this is what Andrew said. He said, I had faith, but I had some unbelief. And the unbelief showed up when I didn't see it immediately. He says, Wigglesworth, he didn't have any unbelief. When, when, when she fell down, he's like, doesn't matter to me. I'm not, I'm not there yet. How about you? <laughs> but the unbelief so often counterweights our faith. He said, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. Um, Moses sends the 12 spies into the promised land. They pass through the land for 40 days. They come back. They give the report. Ten of the spies stand up and said, the land is just like God said. It flows with milk and honey. But there are seven nations, there's giants, there's walled cities, and we are not able to go in. Two stood up and said, let us go in at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome. Now, they all saw with their eyes the exact same thing. But the reports were different. Because the truth is, we see through our eyes, but we see with our heart. Two were full of faith. God had said, I've given you the land. Two said, let us go up at once, for we are well able to overcome. But God's with us. But ten said, we can't. Now, the interesting thing is that two million people believe the ten. 
The 10 and the 2 million all died in the wilderness. But the two who said, let us go up at once and take possession, they went in and took possession. So here's what I know. God makes promises to us that not everybody grabs hold of. Right? In the New Testament, it talks about whosoever will, basically meaning anybody could, most won't, but somebody will. Somebody will. Right? Now, <clears throat> I'm healthy. I'm planning to live a long time. Right? But if I die, don't throw away your faith because I died. Right? The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. In fact, here's the truth. Suppose I died. You can't lose if you're a believer. Do you understand that? If, if you get healed, you win. If you die, you win. You see, because this is a Hebrews. Hebrews 9 verse 14 says this. Listen, it says that through speaking of Jesus, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. See, when a Christian dies, you're not going to death. You're going through death. You're on your way someplace. You go through death, but that's not where you're staying. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If, if I lose, I win. You cannot lose. Because if you die, you win. If you get healed, you win. Amen. Now, again, I'm not planning on dying. I'm living a long time. You bet. Jeannie, she needs my help. She just does, you know. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been healed by God at some point in your life? You know that to be true. So don't throw away what you know to be true because of what you don't understand. Acts 14 and verse 7. It says, and there they preached the gospel. The translations, and they were preaching the gospel there. So what were they preaching? Gospel. That's what they were preaching. Um, when I taught in Bible college years ago, this is what we would tell our students. You get what you preach. Right? You preach on salvation, people are going to get saved. You preach on deliverance, people are going to be delivered. You preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Right? So there they preach the gospel. And we want to look at what results come when they preach the gospel. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. What's Paul doing? He's declaring the, the gospel. Right? Paul observing him intently and seeing he had faith to be healed. So if this guy is listening to Paul and receives faith to be healed, what's Paul talking about? Healing. And what is he preaching? The, the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. Part of the gospel is healing. When Jesus sent out the 12, he said, heal the sick. When he sent out the 70, he said, heal the sick. When he sent out the church, he said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll lay hands on the sick, all right, and they will recover. So this man is listening to Paul, and as he listens, he receives faith to be healed. Paul looks at him and can see he has faith to be healed. Now, here's my question. Is he healed physically? Not yet. But he has faith to be. He has faith to be, but he's not yet. Right? 
Now, there's two things about this. First of all, Romans 10 in verse 9 says, with the heart, man believes. Where do you believe? With your heart. You see, what we normally want is we want to see it in our body, and then we're going to believe it. Right? But the way the Bible works, Bible faith works, is you believe it in your heart before you ever see it on the outside. For with the heart, man believes. Jesus said, Mark 11, he said, what things soever you desire when you play, believe you receive them and you will, future tense, have them. So you believe it first before you ever see it with your eyes. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, your faith sees it before you ever physically see it or feel it. So this man has faith to be healed, but he's not healed yet. There's no physical manifestation yet. Now, what Paul knows is that faith has to be released. There has to be a point where you release your faith. Um, you know, our, our family, we, we are, are big deer hunters. And um, to me, the best example of this is deer hunting. Right? You're sitting there, you've got your gun, it's loaded, you've got your ammo, your scope is all sighted in, and the deer walks into the clearing. Right? You have to pull the trigger. If you don't pull the trigger, the deer is going to walk off. You've got everything you need, but you've got to pull the trigger. And the same thing is true with faith. There has to be a point where you pull the trigger, right? where you release your faith. It's often called a point of contact. So Paul said to him with a loud voice, he said, stand straight up on your feet. He got him to release his faith. And when he did, he was instantly healed and he leaped and he walked. The woman with the issue of blood, she comes up behind Jesus. She's saying, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And by the way, the Greek says she is continuously saying, she's just saying it. She's saying it. But when she touched, she believed. See, and, and that's why we lay hands on people. It's a point of contact for you to say, now I believe. That's why people are anointed with oil. It's a point of contact to say, now I believe. That's why you say amen at the end of your prayers. It's a point of contact where you begin to believe. Right? But there has to be the point where we stop saying it's going to happen and I receive it right now. What things over you desire when you pray, believe you receive them when you pray. And then you will, future tense, have them. Again, in Mark 11, Jesus is talking about faith, and then he talks about the number one hindrance to faith. Right? And he says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. When we have unforgiveness in our hearts, right, it's a roadblock to faith. It, 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 it like it uproots our faith. In Ephesians 4, it says, be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place or opportunity to the devil. When we hold unforgiveness, it's like an open door for the enemy to come in. And Jesus said that it basically, it paralyzes our faith. Right? So we can't not let that unforgiveness into our hearts. 
Now, in uh, Acts, the fourth chapter, the disciples have literally, they've been warned by the, by the, 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 the religious leaders and, and they've been punished and they're, they're threatened, right? And they get back to their group, Acts 4. They've just healed the man who is crippled from his mother's womb. It says, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness, we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So here's what they're saying. They're saying, God, we need you to heal, to do signs and wonders so we can proclaim your word with all boldness. In other words, when miracles happen, it's easier. When healings happen, it's easier to be bold and preach. Right? When, 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 when we don't receive a miracle or a healing, the tendency is to back off, right? to stop. That's why so often churches stop preaching the word right? because something happened. Somebody didn't get healed. But the Bible does not change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Again, he sent out the 12. He said, heal the sick. He sent out the 70, heal the sick. He sent out the church. He said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And in James, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Now it's a fight. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He's saying, I did not give up. In Ephesians 6, it says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, the powers, the rulers, the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. It's telling us that the Christian life, it is a fight. It's a fight, right? Now, Jesus is talking to his disciples about this, this very instance where this boy is healed. And he says, if you just have a mustard seed of faith, right? And he says that in the word, the littleness, littleness of your faith. The Greek word uh, does not refer to the size of the faith, but it denotes how long they hang on to their faith in the midst of the fight. Right? It's not that you have a little quantity, but it's about how long do you hang on in the midst of the fight? Right? In other words, it doesn't take much faith, just a mustard seed to move a mountain, but it does take persistent faith. It takes faith that keeps going, faith that does not give up, faith that does not throw in the towel when things don't look right on the outside. In Ephesians 1 in verse 18, Paul is in this book, this letter to the Ephesians, he puts two prayers in here. Now, these are prayers inspired by the Holy Spirit. But he's going, he knows that these prayers are going to be literally prayed by Christians. He, he tells them in other letters, you know, share this with the other churches. Be sure you read all these other letters that are being written, epistles. So he, he has the, 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 the foresight to understand these are going to be read by millions and millions and millions of people. Right? They're going to be prayed by millions of people. So this is what he says. He doesn't pray like most of us, but we say, God, bless them. God, help them. God, anoint them. God, use them. 
God heal them, God deliver them. Those are the types of prayers we pray. Now, here's what Paul prays. I pray that the eyes of your heart enlightened may be able to comprehend the hope to which he has called you and what are the rich benefits of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So instead of Paul say, pray that God do something for you, he prays that we would be able to see what God has already done for us. Not like we're trying to get God to do something, but he's saying, look, I am praying that your eyes will be open, that you will have revelation of what has already, what are the benefits? Not trying to get God to do something. What are the rich benefits of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And by the way, as, as I hear that rich benefits, the first thing I think of is Psalms 103, which says, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who, who, who uh, excuse me, who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. What's he, what, what, what is he saying? He's saying we need revelation of what God has already done. We don't need to talk God into doing something additional. We need to realize that everything that we need was already paid for in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. One last thought, Isaiah 53. The prophet Isaiah is writing about 700 years before Jesus is born. And he looks down, if I can say it this way, a prophetic telescope. And he sees Jesus go to the cross. Right? And this is what he writes. Uh, I've got a couple translations here. I, I want to start with Dr. Isaac Lesser's translation, which is basically the Jewish translation for Jews. A man of pains, acquainted with disease. But only our diseases did he bear himself. And our pains... He carried, and through his bruises was healing granted to us. Basic English, he was a man of sorrows marked by disease, but it was our pains he took. Our diseases were put on him. Well, to us, he seemed as one diseased on whom God's punishment had come. See, Jesus at the cross, just like he took our sins, the Bible says he took our diseases. In the New Testament, it says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirit with a word, healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. Part of the gospel. It's not a side message. It's part of the gospel. And as a believer, I want to encourage you. Start praying for people if you're not and keep praying for them if you are. You're going to see people healed. You'll probably see some people that aren't healed. But don't throw away what you know to be true because of what you don't understand. Now, is there anybody here today that you have sickness in your body and you say, I'd like prayer? Would you just lift your hand? Lift it up. Lift it up. Now, everybody that's around them, if you would extend a hand towards them, 
and let's pray for them as a body. Father, we thank you that your word says that you forgive all our iniquities, you heal all our diseases. We thank you, Father, that you are the Lord that heals us, that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our pains. And we pray for healing in every one of these bodies. We come against sickness, disease. We come against any attack of the enemy. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we tell you you're trespassing. We command you, loose the people of God. And Father, we pray that the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ, your healing virtue, would flow into them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. That there would be health, healing, restoration, soundness in their entire body from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say, would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Psalms 56. The psalmist wrote, this I know because God is for me. I know many people think God's mad. God's rejected them, that they've missed their chance, that they've gone too far, that it's too late. But this is what I know. I know that God loves you, that God is reaching out to you, that it is not too late, that it is the devil who comes to kill, to steal and to destroy. And Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. When Peter preached that first sermon on the day of Pentecost, he said, be saved from this perverse generation. God wants you to be a part of his kingdom today. And he doesn't just want you to go to heaven. He wants to save you from the things of this world. There are people you're here today and your, your, your heart's cry is God save me. God deliver me. God reach out to me. That is exactly what God wants to do. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Not just go to heaven, but your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We want his kingdom to come in our lives. And he wants to make you new on the inside. So today, if you're here, you're online, and you're away from God, you know you're not right with God, we're going to pray a prayer. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. The Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. So I'm going to ask right now, if you came with somebody, would you please just reach out, take their hand, and we're going to pray this prayer together. Make these words your own. Just say this out loud. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. He rose again victorious over death, over sin, over the devil, and over this world. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king, and I'm going to live for him. I'm a part of his kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly. 
So join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.